Hi, this is Ken Osmond, Eddie Haskell, and you're listening to TV Confidential. You know, I hate to be personal, but I'd like to point out that anybody who couldn't find the two thugs who took a shot at me last night couldn't find a giraffe and a flock of sheep. What's the idea of this hogwash in the afternoon paper? Are you trying to make a fool out of me? Why should I when you do such a good job for yourself? A reminder that Burt Ward from Batman will join us at the top of the hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us for another look at recently released DVD and streaming titles that we think you'll find of interest. Greg, of course, is a two-time Grammy-nominated and multiple Addy Award-winning writer for television, animation, advertising, and publishing for Disney Warner Brothers and Universal. He is also co-author, along with Tim Hollis, of Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records. You can enjoy Greg's animation spin column at cartoonresearch.com. For more information about Greg, go to gregairbar.com. Greg, what do you have for us tonight? Oh, we have a very interesting set of movies. The Michael Shane Mysteries from the PRC studio. The PRC studio was what they called um, the po- one of the Poverty Row studios. Um, Poverty Row was an area in Hollywood where the low-budget studios were. And low bu- some of these low-budget B-movies are really cool to watch because they're almost like television shows that came along later. They're, they were made, But they were made about 10 years earlier. And they're a little bit more expensive than television shows because there's more sets and there's more second unit work because they're longer, but they're still, they're still pretty cheap, but they're still very exciting and they're loaded with great character actors. And what makes this Michael Shane especially interesting is who plays him. Now, originally Lloyd Nolan played him when 20th Century Fox was running the series. But the PRC ones starred Hugh Beaumont. Yeah. Hugh, Bo- Hugh Beaumont before the Beaver. About 10 years before. Before it was Ward. Okay, so we, we did a segment a few weeks ago on early half an hour crime dramas of the early 1950s and how they were sort of variations of B-movies. They're like B-movies made for television and they were written stylistically in a in a much different way than dramatic shows came to be written by the end of the decade. Is that what's going on here? Are these like like seventy five minute B movies with that? Or are they more like a film noir, which is also in style in the forties? They're they're both. They're very noiry. They don't nearly have the time or the money to do, to do extensive lighting, but. There is noir lighting like crazy, uh, especially on the wicked woman or the bad guy. They will definitely put a shadow. In fact, it's like the one I watched yesterday. It was like, well, obviously she's she's the killer. They've been they've been shooting a shadow over her the whole time. They do the best they can to give it a noir look, and it definitely has a lot of night scenes. He threw himself out of a car last night. There's more violence, more gunplay, lots of fisticuffs. It's interesting to see Hugh Beaumont get beat up and also beat people up. It's interesting to see him be sassy and smart-alecky. He has a nemesis in the form of Rafferty, who is the police chief, who does not like him for several reasons. Rafferty isn't the sharpest crayon and the brightest crayon in the box. And And Shane doesn't always play by the rules, as you might expect. So they can't stand each other. 
and Rafferty's always, though he will concede at the end of the movie sometimes, they're always at each other's throats and, and insulting each other like crazy. The other thing that Shane does is he is he is always eating peanuts. He keeps a, a, a stash of peanuts in his jacket coat, and he's always taking them out and shelling them, and he leaves trails so people know where he's been. Now, Ward would never be so sloppy. June wouldn't have that in her spotless home. But he's a slob. He eats he eats peanuts and leaves them wherever he goes, which also annoys other people. But also kind of sometimes it's a it's a cue like, oh, well, we know who's been here. But he's more romantic because he has the lovely assistant who he calls Angel. Her name is actually Phyllis. She's played by three actresses in uh, one of the movies. It's actually played by his wife. And then the other ones, there's two other actresses playing her, but maybe maybe the other ones weren't available and he had his wife come in, Catherine, and play her. But they're all romantically attached to him, but you know, he never marries them because he's got a job to do or they're going to go on vacation and then they can't go. It's almost like Erskine. You know, he was always trying to have fun and he couldn't because something happened. Well, private, private eyes of that era were lone. I mean, private eyes traditionally are lone wolf. Yes. Figures. They yes. don't, there may be some romance, but they're loners. And that's part of the appeal. That is part of the appeal of the classic private eye character. It's part of the appeal of the modern day superhero, too. They can never be attached to anyone because it could seal their doom. It's part of their angst and their sorrow at the price they pay for their superpowers and that they help the world, but they can't help themselves. You know, it's, it's the, it's the, with great power comes great responsibility. It's a twist on that. And he, um, you know, it's just, it's odd to see him act this way. It's odd to see him much. He still looks like Hugh Beaumont, but he's, he's younger to be sure. He's talking, talking faster. Cause that's what they did in those days. There's loads of that production library music, like a Superman episode, sometimes playing over and over again. You know, they only could afford so many cues. So they're playing it over and over again, but uh, lots of stunt work and things like that. And a, and a good solid mystery from beginning to end. Three on the ticket. He he, <laughs> inevitably. I mean, it is just such gumshoe, pulp novel. I remember seeing Michael Shane books paperbacks in the store. You know, inevitably somebody stumbles to the door and dies in his office, and it's like I don't know how he made it this far. They always make it just to the office and then drop dead. You know, and he had this luggage ticket in his hand. You know, I have a clue. So the whole movie is about him finding these people after the luggage ticket. There's always this thing they're looking for. Do you have the ticket? And what's in it? And actually what was in it were plans for some powerful weapon that an evil government wanted. That's kind of the thing. In another case, there's, oh, there's one that's almost like Weekend at Bernie's because there's a uh, there's a beautiful blonde who... who uh, comes stumbling into his office just as he's about to go off with his girlfriend. Uh, and then she drops dead on the couch and he has to keep hiding her, you know, because people keep coming into the office in different places and she's got to put her in there and he's got to put her in there. So there is a, there is a comic element. He's very witty and sarcastic, but these move along at a pretty good pace. You know, they're talky because they're inexpensive and talk saves money, but they're not quite as staid uh, and Stentorian as Public Defender 
or even man with a camera. There's something in between. Public Defender was early 50s, so it's it's a little bit more stiff. Man with a camera is a little looser because it's the late 50s and it's got a little bit more action. Spend a little more money on it because it was Desi Lu. This is more like a movie and like a noir movie because they shoot it that way. You know, there's more camera motion, there's more going on, but you can see, you know, they had to cut corners and get them done. The main feature is where you're going to, I mean, you can see Hugh Beaumont doing guest roles like on Loretta Young, and he even does a couple of guest roles on Public Defender, but he's mostly, you know, here and there in a few scenes, but here he's the star, and that's cool. I mean, and he ain't Ward, you know, it's, it's Ward's voice. But he's not Ward. He's a he's a tough talking guy who who has to get to the get to the truth. And he's eating peanuts like a slob. And he's and at one point he gets checked into a to a, an asylum and they put him through this whole this whole rigorous detoxing thing. And it's like what are they doing the Ward? Well, it's not Ward. So it it is really neat to see this. And the Prince, you know, they have some flaws in them, but for the most part, this is as good as you'll ever see them than if you were watching them on Channel 51 at 3 in the morning. These look real clear and nice. They're DVDs, you know, and, and they're they're about as nice as you'll ever see them, I think, in our lifetime. So it's nice that we have them. Are they through uh, Classic Flicks? Classic Flicks, and you get five of them. It's uh, the PRCs. There were seven of the Foxes. Those aren't on here. It's just the five PRCs which um, PRC, those are initials. That would be why there are three letters. And that's, uh, what does that stand for? I'll look it up so we know. What well, I assume for. Poverty Row is the P and the R. <laughs> it's not Poverty Row Corporation. Yeah. It's like Producers Releasing Corporation, something like all that. Right. Well, we'll call them Poverty Road Corporation. Um, <laughs> all right, so the Michael? But it the actually Mike was a location, a PRC. It actually was a location. I think it, I think I've got it up here. Producers Relation Corporation, and it was a part of Gower Street that was where all these places were, these low-budget places, and they made, they just churned out these movies. It really is interesting to look at between the Westerns and, like, the Blondie movies, which are lavish compared to these. So there were the comedies and the Westerns and the how they churned them out, and then how they transitioned to television, managed to do those many things. You know, and we know, like, with Superman, they shot every scene that was going to be in the chief's office at once. Right. And every scene that was in Clark's office at once. And that's one of the ways they did it. But they did that sort of thing for a lot of subsequent things. So this is this is part of how production history progressed. These movies are part of the DNA of the entire history of not just films, but really TV. This is like early TV in a way. All right. So this is the Michael uh, Shane Collection of movies starring Hugh Beaumont from PRC Studios, available through our friends at classicflix.com. You can read Greg Airbar twice a month at cartoonresearch.com. We'll be back with more TV Confidential right after this. One more item for our listeners in Southern California. We have a lot of listeners in L.A. who listen to us on our podcast, Grammy-nominated singer-actress Ketty Lester will share stories of her life and career Sunday, February 20th at the Hollywood Heritage Museum beginning at 2 p.m. Ketty Lester, Grammy-nominated singer-actress known around the world for her 1962 hit record Love Letters and to fans of Little House on the Prairie as schoolteacher, 
Hester Sue Terhune. You can meet Kathy Lester at the Hollywood Heritage Museum, 2100 North Highland Avenue in Hollywood, California, on Sunday, February 20, beginning at 2 p.m. Kathy will sign copies of her memoir, Love Letters, as well as CDs of her music. For tickets and more information, visit the events page at hollywoodheritage.org, hollywoodheritage.org. You can follow Kathy Lester on Facebook and at kettylester.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.